that actually showed people that a video initiated interaction is three times more likely to result in a sale than any other internet lead. Those are words of our customers who have basically analyzed their various strategies of selling online. Welcome to Subscriptions Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders in the subscription space, share their best tips and stories, and learn how you can up-level your subscription business today. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Subscription Scaled. I'm your host, Nick Frederick. With me today is Alex Golu, who is the CEO and co-founder of Elevensight. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, and thanks for inviting me, Nick. Of course. Happy to have you on. For those listeners who don't know, let's kind of start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about Elevensight. Okay, I'll start with a little bit about myself. My career evolved as a serial entrepreneur. My first startup was back in 98 when Motorola StarTech was the most advanced, that flip phone was the most advanced phone, Netscape was new. There was. We built SMS applications for wireless carriers, and we sold that to a competitor. Then we saw RFID, IoT. Our second startup was an IoT company in the cloud. And then that ultimately was acquired by Excel KKR a couple of years ago in a product roll-up strategy. And this third one, we started actually before the pandemic because our philosophy was, our thesis was, we can conduct a lot more business online with video conversation, right? And we looked at the market, we saw Zoom. We said, okay, meetings, that problem is solved. We looked at WhatsApp, we looked at Skype. We said, okay, two friends talking, that problem is solved. And then we realized that Businesses need to bring themselves closer to their customers, make themselves more accessible. And we said, okay, that's the place where we can actually plug in and make it easier for businesses to bring themselves closer to their customers, bring their showroom to the living room or their office conference room to the customer's office conference room. So we set on to build a solution that helps initially with sales, lead acceleration, but eventually helps at all stages of customer engagement. Because if you are building a subscription business, every renewal is a new booking. So every month when you are keeping that customer happy in the entire life cycle is growing your business. So I want to jump in there and clarify. You said you were having these conversations pre-pandemic? We were having these conversations pre-pandemic indeed. And in fact, it's a funny story because... We started the company, the technology wasn't quite available yet because we rely on certain standards because the philosophy was that a prospect should be able to initiate a call from any device, from any website, maybe by just signing a QR code without any downloads, appointments, any of that. So minimize the friction down to zero. And we did that because we saw this broader big shift that's taking place, right? That transcends video. There was a time when a company's website was the main source of truth about them. Now that's no longer the case because today's customers are well-informed. They do their homework on YouTube, on LinkedIn, G2, Captera. The information is everywhere. So it should be possible for them from any one of these locations with one click to come in and call you. So the proposed solution was then let's reduce the digital communication identity of an individual, of a sales department, a location to a URL, very much like an 800 number, 
and allow the customer initiate the call with a click on that or maybe by scanning a QR code. Now, when we started, there weren't enough standards on every device. Surely everybody had a device with a camera, everybody had internet access, but there still needed to be some more software being available on every device. That became possible early 2020. And we were like slowly, gradually building our business. And we were thinking, you know, why is it people don't accept video as much? Our customers would say, oh, you know, if they want our solution, they should come visit us or they should schedule a meeting. And then next thing you know, the pandemic. So we are trying to slow things down because we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. And then the pandemic hit and like May of 2020, we felt, oh, we are behind. We wish we had built everything that we had imagined <laughs> before the pandemic hit. It hit too soon. Another six months, we would have been better off. But essentially, our company really launched with the pandemic, and we have been expanding ever since. Well, okay. Help us understand this a little bit better, because I think a lot of people think, well, I could just send somebody a link and they can get onto Teams or Zoom or in a Slack call or whatever. How is a sales video engagement fundamentally different in your view? So, I mean, exactly. So you can send somebody a link. So that means that they requested the link in the first place. Whereas if they were just on a Trustpilot or G2 website, could they just click on something and call you? It's like the old fashioned way. Back in the 80s, you were a sales yeah. guy, you were sitting in an office, suit and tie, right. the phone would ring and you would pick it up. You wouldn't basically ask caller, could you fill out the form first, please? Or here is an AI chatbot, talk to the AI chatbot first, and maybe let's schedule a meeting. We will talk, we'll have, I'll come really prepared to that meeting, but it's five days from now. Uh -huh. If your sell cycle is 30 days or less, that delay, that friction you put in essentially kills the deal. So again, it's like, why did we do this before the pandemic? Because we saw the big shift that information is everywhere. Today's customers are well-informed. They do their homework. And when they reach out to the business, it's because they have their shortlist. And if they feel that this vendor is going to solve my problem, they are going to decide and move. If not, either they are going to go to the next vendor or they are going to go to the next problem they have in the company, right? Sure. In that case, right. nobody in, in your segment got customer giving you any subscription revenue. So yeah. we saw that, and that's basically what we have been doing. Okay. So it's kind of the theory of strike while the iron's hot, that it's top of exactly. mind for somebody at a prospect. They're thinking about it, they're researching it, get them right there and then on the phone to engage and have a conversation, not fill out a contact us form or something like that that's going to take days to even set up a meeting, right? Exactly. I mean, what you want to do is nail that first meeting when the prospect is engaged and they're in the frame of mind of, I'm working on this now, as opposed to looking at it, okay, we have a sales team, we're going to optimize everything for the needs of the sales team, we'll put the prospect in a queue, they will listen to some elevator music for the next five days, and we'll do all our homework, and by, by then it's too late. Industry statistics show that only 70% of prospects show up to scheduled meetings, and that number is shrinking. The other thing is that 78% of people who buy from the first vendor they have talked to. So in that big shift, and there is this awareness that we increasingly now also see on LinkedIn, 
Disaster founder Jason Lemkin recently wrote an article that said, when the phone rings, pick it up. So when the prospect is calling you, speed matters. And what better speed than just answering instantly, enabling that prospect to call you instantly. Because that's how you bring them in. You give them all the love and attention for them to take out their credit card, subscribe to your solution or buy your solution. And then it's the same methodology that you're going to use in the additional customer engagement life cycles for every renewal, every time they have a question. That was going to be my follow-up question there. So certainly makes sense for the initial sale to have somebody there that can talk them through the product. But for a subscription business, how does that, in your mind, work throughout the life cycle, you know, renewals and engagement? Like, is this to make your agents and your product people available to answer questions or how are your clients using it? So, I mean, the key thing here is to better understand which segments this works best. I mean, today we have customers in B2C and automotive, home retail, even some new construction purchases, as well as B2B SaaS. The commonality in all of these verticals is sort of the deal size. The customer is worth somewhere between $1,000 and $100,000. It needs to be at least $1,000 to warrant a call on a $17 t-shirt purchase. I don't want to talk to the vendor. They don't want to talk to me. And if it's million and up, there will be RFPs and it will take nine months. So who cares if the first meeting is right away or in five days from now? But for everything in between, where it's 30 days or less, speed matters. So that's when you want to talk to your prospect on their time and nail that meeting. But then every month is a renewal. What is your customer acquisition cost? You did all this advertising. And today, again, you need to do a broad brush off presence in the market. Like we have this terminology of product-led growth. You are on G2, you are on YouTube, you are on LinkedIn, maybe you are on Facebook and Instagram. There is a lot of money you are spending to have that product presence. The leads are coming in. There is a cost off actually closing that customer. The 10-minute, 15-minute video conversation you're going to have with them is actually a tiny fraction of your customer acquisition cost. Now, you want to retain that customer. You want to minimize that churn. And the best way of doing that is having that eye contact with your customer when they have a question. And if they don't renew, you are losing them. So acquiring a new one is actually going to be a big cost. So again, in the same vein, depending on the type of customer and their value, you can give them a dedicated line to a dedicated person. You can connect them to a line that's only available eight to five. You can basically give them, if you want, just the old-fashioned meeting scheduling tool says, okay, here is a meeting scheduling and AI chatbot. But the whole thing is understand the value of your customer. And if the value is right, then give them the right service. Okay. So what's involved then from on the merchant side for them to be able to use the product? Do I need to have a salesperson who's got the availability to sit in front of a computer and take these calls as they come in? Do they have to go through a training process? What does that look like? So, I mean, we are our first customer, right? Because we are a subscription business. So the way this product is structured is we can put multiple people on a line and we can ring all of them. 
And we do actually have, we have a distributed team. That's us. We have people in India, Turkey, Germany, East Coast, West Coast. We have like a person in each of these locations on our line that's on our website that our prospects or customers can call. It's a five-minute conversation. We then understand, okay, this needs to be escalated to Alex because it's a potential investor who wants to know or like it's, a, it's one of our largest customers. Another one is, well, this person really should be routed to our pricing page. I'm going to answer their questions and encourage them to start a pilot. So it is true that whoever is answering the call needs to have an understanding of what your product is, why your customers buy the solution, what type of questions come in. But if you are an SDR, BDR, that's your job. If you are an account executive, that is your job. You don't need to prepare for it. People should, I mean, there is this notion of an elevator pitch. So if you are an SDR, BDR, AE, you need to have that elevator pitch ready. You need to have the skill of listening to your prospect for a minute or two, and then give them a custom elevator pitch. That is the, in the DNA of people who we ring. And then if you are in customer success, you know your product. If there is a technical difficulty, maybe it takes you 30 seconds to say, oh, that setting is available under this menu. 30 seconds and uh, the product, your customer is happy. In terms of like, do you need to basically wait for the phone to ring? I don't, but the phone rings. And uh, if you are available, you answer. If not, somebody else will answer. You basically build your processes as the call volume goes up. Clearly, then you have dedicated people who are waiting for the phones to ring or for the lines to ring. And if you are, like, if you just ran a campaign, we ran a campaign on AppSumo to sell lifetime deals. We were getting 25, 30 calls a day. So we were more structured. When we are selling more to enterprises, it's those campaigns don't generate as many calls. Then it's like ad hoc. We all go out with our regular day-to-day -day routine. And if a call comes in, then we pick it up. I mean, it's like when you are working, if a colleague calls, you talk to them. It's the same thing. When a customer comes in into the store, then you talk to them. I have examples of this. Like, I mean, as I said, we are our first customer. One night, it's like 10 o'clock at night, I'm preparing a presentation for the next day. And 10 o'clock at night is like, it's the tail end of US, but it's the beginning of Europe. So that's one overlap hour. And we, our E-line rang and I picked it up and I was talking to somebody who needed, we also have meeting room capabilities, right? Not just the regular call me and I'll answer now. And he was looking for a meeting room solution. He was going to buy from Webex. He was ready to give his credit card and he wasn't quite happy with the solution because it wasn't solving his need. He did one last search. He found us and he's like, oh, I'm intrigued. Let me talk to them. Now, had I not answered that call right there and then, half an hour later, he would right. be with another event. So yeah. I talked to him, and this guy actually was calling us from Europe. So I passed him to a person in Europe who took it over, and two hours later, we converted that person. So it goes back to that big shift, well-educated prospects who know what they want and being able to serve them on their timeline. Yeah. That's how you build a successful subscription business. And then once you bring them in, obviously you have to keep them happy. It's customer success. 
you have to keep them the love and give them the so in my mind, I keep thinking of this as like the virtual version of walking into a showroom, right? You walk exactly. into a showroom and you expect somebody to walk up to you and say, how, how are you doing? How can I help you? So it's that type of experience. But do you feel like there's some headwinds with customers going online and they've been kind of trained for this semi-offline experience? I mean, you can talk to bots and sometimes get live chat and things like that, but they've expected that sort of experience. Do you think consumers are going to be turned off or not really get it when they can actually click a button and talk to somebody right away. So that actually is a very good point. If you just put the button in the lower right corner of your website, we are all conditioned that I'm not going to get a real person in the lower yeah, right corner. Right. It's going to be an AI yeah. chatbot, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where it becomes important to do more on your website if that's where you are trying to generate the calls. It's like in the old days, you get an 800 number, you need to publicize it. Maybe it's on your contact us. Maybe when you run a marketing campaign, the call to action is call us. Maybe the lower right corner is indeed an AI chatbot where you ask the person two, three questions. But after that, you say, hey, do you want a live video conversation? I can connect you to a person based on the information. That even allows you to do a little bit of a qualification oh, this person is indeed qualified because they have done their homework, I know, so I'm going to talk to them. So you can actually offer the video call in that chatbot. But yes, it is true that we all hate as customers AI chatbots, but it's funny that when you become a VP of sales and marketing, you want the AI chatbot work for you and deal with your prospects. So that's sort of a learning that's taking place is that, until such time AI advances, another two to five years, 10 years, who knows, where they can actually close the deal, we still need humans that when your product-led growth or your subscription advertising has brought in the lead, you need to talk to them for legitimacy and trust, for requirements class, uh, clarification to close the deal. So those call to actions on the website, do you suggest that say, talk with a live person now? I mean, be that upfront about it? Or do you show them a, hey, here's what that experience is like? I mean, how do you overcome that hurdle with people who don't yeah, expect it's to see like, uh, Especially in some of our B2C customers, like in automotive, you go to the website, the main pane, there are like three, four things that are rotating. This is the car of the week and, and so forth. And then one of them is, hey, it maybe it's even as a small show, small video that's showing, hey, we are standing by. You call us, we'll show you the car now on our floor. That basically is telling the customer that I'm real. You will talk to a real person. In my email signature, I have my calendaring link. If you want to schedule a meeting with me, you can do that. But I also have my e-line. If you want to call me now, you can do that. And we do have customers, we do have prospects who get that email and say, okay, let me click this. And it's as simple as that. So inevitably, it could happen that we're talking now and somebody's trying to call you on the e-line. Does it have the concept of voicemail or video voicemail? Oh, so we have two concepts. I have the, we have this concept of escalation. So if I don't get to answer my e-line in like five seconds, 10 seconds, I can delegate or specify another person in the company who then starts ringing. And if it happens that nobody was able to answer, then obviously we have this notion of a missed call screen. 
where I can have a text greeting, video greeting. The prospect can leave us a text or video meeting, video recording, or I can even have my regular appointment scheduling calendaring screen and say, hey, really, really sorry, I'll call you back. But if you just want to get on my calendar, just schedule a meeting and we'll talk. So that actually is no worse than making them fill out a form and have, have that meeting scheduled. You make your best effort. We have all the capabilities to make sure that call gets answered. But hey, if 5%, 10% of the time you can't answer, you still capture the lead. Yeah, I would still argue that's better than the just generic get a demo form. You don't know where that goes. Yeah. You don't know who's going to see it, how long it's going to take. That video voicemail concept of seeing a person yeah. that works for that company that wears the polo, right? Saying, yeah. hey, so sorry I missed your call. Probably talking to somebody else. Leave me a message here. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. That's a lot different. And it can even say, hey, you know, you just reached my line, but it's actually after hours where I live. So these are my work hours and I'll get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that goes a long way. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about your being a serial entrepreneur. You've done this a few times. Tell us a little bit about maybe some of the lessons you've learned along the way as you're building up the business. You are a subscription business yourself. Yes. What are some of the things you've learned about that? And what was some of the compelling reasons for you to make this business subscription from the beginning? You could have priced this a lot of different ways, done a few different strategies. What's attractive about it to you? So we actually have done that. I mean, we have three different swim lanes. One is sort of an enterprise sales. So these are named accounts that we work with and they ultimately subscribe. And when they subscribe, it's typically an annual recurring fee. And I mean, having an annual ARR, that's always good. And the nice thing with our solution is it's very easy to get started. You have your link, you publicize, people call you, you answer, you are done. But then the next thing is, ah, I do want to integrate into my CRM. I want to create some trackers to know where the calls are coming in from. And then I want to create some call scripts so that the reps who are answering know what they need to do. So all of that creates that sticky relationship with the enterprises or with customers who are actually using this. The second way we sell our tool is it is actually very easy to integrate into a CRM or a third-party tool that wants to have native video capabilities, right? So that's another swim lane. And of course, we do have our own product-led growth where we allow people to come to our website subscribe and that actually scales a lot faster once it takes off so the reason we made the subscription from the beginning or software as a service is because that's the best way of growing a large profitable company the customers who are using your solution are the ones who are also guiding your roadmap you are learning from them how they are using it sure you look at your competitors as well but you are focused on creating value for your customers and making sure that they are actually perceiving that they're valued. Now, product-led growth has the advantage that if you have enough of a reputation in the market, and that's like how Zoom took off, they definitely didn't have enough salespeople to talk to, to create a five-day proposal RFP for every customer people can come to your website and buy it. And that's actually another thing we did in this company. 
is make sure that somebody can come to our website. If they want to talk to us, we'll talk to them. Initially, they can just start a free trial with us. So that's the other thing is that like typically people have freemiums, but then the freemium is always restricted. So we said, okay, let's give people all the features that they want and let them use it for a while. And then they can decide if this is the right thing for them or not. And then in that period, before they actually subscribe or once they have subscribed, our prospects or our customers always have the option of calling us and then having us clarify things for them. So that's why we went with product-led growth and a subscription model in this business. Now, in my previous business, we did a mixture because the solution we delivered had both a hardware and a software component. Now, we could, we did have the option of like financing the hardware as well, but we ultimately decided against that because we wanted to have the cash and we wanted to see the commitment of the customer because if mm -hmm. they have a three-year line item on their capex that they are depreciating you know that at the end of every year they are going to renew their subscription right. so sometimes it does make sense to make a mixture in our first startup it was very different this was our actually also earlier days back in 98 2000 where SaaS was new and we were dealing with carriers as customers so those were like one very large check when you sign the deal and then the traditional 20%, 30% support that yes. you get. But then yeah. over there, you have to keep finding new products that you can sell to your existing customers to grow your revenue base. Whereas in this world that we are in, in product-led growth, all you need to do is keep your existing customers. Sure, you can give them more value, but you can also add more. Now, in all of this, it's also obviously important how many possible accounts you can have. Our first startup, we were selling to carriers. There were five, six customers in US okay. and 50 worldwide. Sure. We yeah. didn't need to do that much marketing because within the first year, we knew all the people we needed to know and they knew us. But then mm -hmm. in our space, we think there may be some 20 million salespeople around the world who actually are in that high velocity sales segment. So it makes a lot more sense to allow them to just come and sign up. Now, typically we sell to small businesses like 25 to 500 people, but there is nothing wrong for a solopreneur or a small five people organization to come to our website and sign up. And we are very affordable, but clearly for a five person organization that's gonna pay us maybe 75 bucks a month, we can't chase them. They have to come to us and to the extent possible, they have to serve themselves. So that's where product-led growth makes more sense. So you talk about the strategy to let them try the fully featured version of the product to see if it was the right fit for them. So is that a, like basically a subscription trial that you're giving them like 14 days to try it out or a month? That is exactly what we are doing is that, Hey, go in, yeah. see how the solution works and use it. And if you have any questions, call us, we'll actually talk to you. We'll explain things for you and you will go from there. Actually, one of the things I should mention is that your listeners 
if they come to our website, if they actually have additional questions for me, like things that we have talked about and they want to ask a question, that's the one downside of these podcasts is that we can't take live questions. They can just call our sales line. Maybe I'll answer, but even if I don't answer, somebody will be able to transfer that call to me and they can say, hey, I heard Alex on Nick and I had a question I wanted yeah. to ask. So they are definitely welcome to do that. And the other thing is that you should actually go sign up. You can use it for free initially. And then if you sign up with a discount code that we created, which is Rebar10, R-E-B-A-R-1-0, then we'll give you additional 10% discount on all plans. Very cool. You know, that's funny. I was thinking about that. I always close out a podcast with, hey, if any listeners want to learn more yeah. about the product or talk to somebody, where can yeah. they go? And it's always, hey, you can go to LinkedIn or you can email me here, but you have a very different solution for that, don't you? And I mean, it's because I also know that the people who are listening to you, they have their own business. They are short of time. They are not going to just spam me. They are going to call me. And if they call me, they have a good reason to call me. And I'll give them the respect of answering the call. That's very cool. Well, how are you? And again, this is a different product. I don't think it's one that people even necessarily know they need in all cases. So how are you getting the message out there? Where are you marketing? What's effective for you guys right now? So initially, we actually were quite successful in B2C because the pandemic helped with that because showrooms were closed. They needed to find a way of engaging with their customers. So they so were looking for it. The biggest uh, marketing for us was the pandemic and this, the, like everybody being shut down. And you always hate to say that, but it's true. Things online. Yeah. So that's yeah. why, as I was saying earlier, is we in like early 2020, we were looking at this and saying, oh, people are not adapting video fast enough. What do we need to do? And May, it was like, okay, we are behind. So that actually showed people that a video-initiated interaction is three times more likely to result in a sale than any other internet lead. Those are words of our customers who have basically analyzed their various strategies of selling online. Now, other things we do is we talk to thought leaders like you who actually advise people who are building subscription businesses. So we do these type of podcasts. What we have found is that the old fashioned way of like spamming people with emails or even LinkedIn, all of that doesn't quite work. I know that from myself is that I like, when I go into LinkedIn, anybody who's trying to sell me something, I'm not even gonna read that anymore. But if somebody wants you. to ask a specific question or somebody that I actually know, then of course, then I'll interact with them. Yeah. Well, it's kind of bringing that human element to a digital world. Like one channel that was big for us prior to the pandemic was conferences because that yes. was an ability to talk with other thought leaders and then have engaging yeah. conversations, both formally and informally. But once that stopped, now we're all online trying to have virtual conferences, which did not work at all but also trying to engage through LinkedIn and, you know, some of these other channels. But that always felt like you were trying to project something about yourselves to get an engagement before you could even have a conversation. But you guys are trying to get them to go go straight to the conversation. Like yeah. if you get them there, make that the call to action, right? Yes. And but then, I mean, one thing you said that I want to actually focus on is that these online conferences that did not work. Why? Because we were trying to use Zoom to do a conference. 
or like the, this big thousand people conference, Hopin was projecting to have their solution in production by like 2022, 23. When the pandemic hit, they had no choice. They had to put it in production as an alternative and the products were not ready. Not right. Yeah. So that's where video is going vertical. Different people are focusing on different verticals. Like some are webinars, 300 people will be in the room. Mm -hmm. Some are like AirMeet and Hopin. It's 1,000 people, 15 tracks, and people that have their exhibit rooms. I can walk around, and as I approach people, I can talk to them. There is nothing in Zoom or in a meeting room like the reception after where there are 20 people in the room and 10 conversations. A breakout room is something very different, right? Right. You really need people to be all in the same room, know each other's presence, but have their conversation. So these and courtrooms, classrooms, these are all coming. And what we are doing is we are trying to continuously improve our understanding of the needs of a customer engagement. So for example, in an e-line, when the prospect calls me, it's an asymmetrical relationship. I need some help on the side of my video call screen that tells me something about the prospect, what line they called on, what the campaign get was, what are the things that I should talk about. So we have built that into our solution, whether this is a meeting that was preset, then I have my agenda, or this was a cold call coming in where I get presented with my call context. And then I have a direct connection to our CRM. Anything that I save and take as notes can be saved back into the CRM. The transcript can be saved. It can be put into some other tool that actually summarizes the salient data. So as tools go vertical, that's basically where salespeople are realizing is that I don't need to put two hours in to prepare for a call which has only 70 and even less percent probability of taking place. I can actually talk to people in real time, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, that less time than I would have spent in preparing. And I will make more progress with that prospect in that time. Well, and don't you think the expectation of that interaction is different too? Like if I fill out a schedule, a demo, and then that gets submitted and then a couple of emails go back and forth. And then let's just say everybody does show up to the call. There's some expectation that you've done some research and know something about me. If I come to your website and click a, hey, speak with someone, it's natural to be like, tell me about yourself. Kind of have that interactive back and forth. It's a totally different conversation, right? Exactly, right? So that's the thing is that if you're a sales guy, you don't want to just be closing at the end. Sure, it's ABC, it's always be closing, but... Yeah. You need to build a rapport. You need to understand your customer's problem and so forth. So it is a safe space when on that ad hoc call to engage and to talk. And actually in our automotive sales, the feedback both from the customer and sales guys was that, hey, we really prefer doing the sales online because there is less pressure. Because I mean, subscription models are different, but if you are a car salesman, people walk in, do I go talk to them right away? Do I give them a few minutes so that they can look around in peace? If I give them a few minutes, will one of my colleagues jump onto that guy? So car salesmen, they have their own stress. So this basically was a lot easier because somebody called, they got connected. 
they got to know each other and maybe the, the sale took place online or maybe ultimately the customer came into the dealership and that's where they did the close. But to your point, now when that final closing bigger meeting takes place in a conference room, even if it's online, with five, six people, with executives from both sides, you as the salesperson have the advantage because you have already talked to people. Yeah, that becomes a very different sales process, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the subscription type and amount. Maybe in that first mm -hmm. call, you can get the person give, to pull out the credit card and start a trial. Or maybe your solution mm -hmm. is more like in that $2,000, $3,000 a month range where uh, maybe you will need a second call to close. Sure. Right. Sure. But in that second call where the person who called will have somebody else in there, you will have your account executive, but you have all the call context that you have personally connected and you have already made a connection, an emotional connection with the prospect. I could see even if they're on the lower end of your ideal range, $1,000 a month or something, and they reach out with some questions, but you're trying to get them to go to the website to put in credit card information or whatever, but maybe you're feeling they're a little unsure. Hey, I can give you an extended trial with this code, or just like you said, here's this code that you can go on and get an extra 10% or something like that, but you can feel that out. If you got somebody just blindly going to a website, how do you do that, right? There's no way. So that's exact as that, I mean... This actually is also a great opportunity for an SDR, BDR to sort of show themselves and then sort of get that promotion to the account executives and go up in the ranks is because if you have learned the playbook of the details of this is their status, then you can give them this discount and so forth. If you can execute that on that first call as an SDR, you are on your way to become an account executive. An account executive can already do that, but this way the SDR is giving them the intelligence because before you can decide what discount to give, you need to first ask, what can you afford paying me? So that ad hoc conversation is an ideal environment to have that informal conversation of really, really qualifying the customer by talking to them as opposed to looking at that Q4s, et cetera, on finance.yahoo.com. Well, Alex, this has been a very fascinating conversation, and I can certainly see how this creates a differentiation and an advantage for subscription businesses that are kind of in that. We're not $5 a month, but we're also not a million dollars going through RFPs, right. but might need just that extra push a customer over the edge yeah. or answer some questions and things like that. So I think it could be a very valuable tool for them. You already hinted at it about the way to get a hold of you and ask some questions or find out more information, but where can they go to get the link? And so, I mean, they can go to 11site.com. That's our website. Yeah. My call link is vcall.link slash Alex Kollu, A-L-E-K-S-G-O-L-L-U. That's when they're calling me directly. They can yeah. find us on LinkedIn, 11site11SIGHT. They can call us from LinkedIn. They can find us anywhere. Typically, there is a link that they can click on or copy and paste. They can come to our website. They can go to the pricing page, call us directly. They can engage us on the chat at the bottom. We'll give them options of scheduling a meeting or talking to us directly. If they connect to somebody, they can request being transferred to somebody else or 
the person talking to them may actually say, hey, you should be talking to this person and transfer you. So if they want to get to me, just call somebody in the company and they'll ultimately get to me and definitely sign up for the free trial. And if you actually use discount code REBAR10, R-E-B-A-R-1-0, then you can also get additional 10% discount on future payments. And thanks for offering that. Again, thanks for the conversation. Awesome tool. Very, very innovative. I'm sure it's something others will want to check out. But Alex, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks, Nick. And thanks for all the questions and the time and to the audience for listening in. Hopefully this was helpful and gives you some ideas of how to grow your subscription build business faster and more effectively. Absolutely. I think it does. Appreciate everything today. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Subscription Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share this episode with your network.